0: Please join me in the prayer for God to illumine our hearts and minds. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Isaiah Chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. Listen to God's word for us. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street a bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth, and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. From the prison, those who sit in darkness, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them the word of the Lord.
1: Our New Testament lesson this morning is from Matthew's Gospel, the third chapter, beginning with verse 13. It's about the baptism of Jesus. Listen now for this God's word. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I originally was going to start at the baptismal font, but because of technical difficulties, I can't start there this morning because I want to talk this morning about baptism, particularly about Jesus' baptism. It reminds me of the time in 2004 when the Presbytery hosted the General Assembly of the PCUSA at the Richmond Convention Center, Dr. Susan Andrews preached that Sunday on baptism and she went down to the baptismal font and got so carried away she took both hands and scooped water out of the font and threw them all over the communion table we had borrowed from Ginter Park Church. And she was all anxious about that because of water damage to the table but we got that fixed. Part of what she was trying to say is that baptism is about the remission of sins. And it takes a lot of water to wash all of our sins away from us. Not the mere two ounces we dabble on the top of an infant's head whenever we do a baptism in the church now. Part of her message was the fact that baptism is a radical message in the Christian church. And unfortunately, we have so sanitized the sacrament of baptism that I think we've lost its meaning and its purpose. To be baptized in the Christian faith is a radical step of faith. And unfortunately, we've reduced it to photo ops, a cute baby, the seventh generation baptismal gown that is being worn, and young parents who are grinning from ear to ear. But the meaning of baptism is far from that. And that's what I want us to explore this morning. I just read about the baptism of Jesus from Matthew's gospel. And I think that story presents some real challenges for us. First of all, why in the world was Jesus baptized? John, Jesus' cousin, said, You need to baptize me, not me baptize you. And John also was preaching a message of baptism for the repentance of sin, and yet we say Jesus was sinless. So what is this all about? First of all, why was Jesus baptized? We believe that baptism washes away the sins of our lives and sets us on a new road for a whole new life and way of being We also believe that Jesus was a person without sin. So the meaning here is more about the purpose of baptism and about its origins when Jesus was baptized. In the case of Jesus, Scripture tells us why he was baptized. In verse 15, it says, For it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus made that declaration. Jesus was not baptized because he was sinful. He was not. He was baptized to fulfill all righteousness of God. Now, righteousness is one of those religious terms that we throw around and that we use. And it sounds pretty religious in its nature. But if you were asked, what in the world does that mean? I'm not sure many of us could give a good definition I found a definition this week that I think begins to work for me at least better than some others have. Righteousness simply means to act in accord with God's will. Righteousness is about a relationship, a relationship between you and God. And that relationship is, quote, right or righteous when each party lives up to their agreements. When we do the will of God, we are being righteous. When we act in accord with God's will, we are righteous people. When we are obedient to God and God's claim on our lives, when we're faithful to the commitment we've made as God's people, that means we are practicing righteousness. So in the case of Jesus, he was righteous because he was attempting to do God's will to be part of God's kingdom. Jesus was baptized not because he was sinful, he was baptized because he was obedient. We are baptized and we bring our children to be baptized because we are obedient to God's commands to fulfill our commitment and our righteousness to God, we bring our children for baptism. We agree to pray for them. We agree to raise them in the Christian faith. We agree to take seriously that they're going to be Christian. We agree that we're going to teach them the faith, not to be agnostic, not to be atheistic, not to be just good middle-class American kids. And not to leave them alone until they're old enough to decide what they want to believe for themselves. No, we have agreed to fulfill God's will, and every week we demonstrate that when we show up here in worship and in Sunday school and in fellowship with one another. But that commitment is not just for the family of the infant, that commitment's also for the church family. People wonder if the Presbyterian Church has godparents. Yes, we do. And you're looking at them. All of us as members of this congregation agree to be godparents to every child that is baptized in this church. We agree to nurture them in the faith. We agree to pray for them. We agree to work with them. We agree to share our faith with them. So baptism is a family of faith commitment as well as a personal commitment. Family commitment. We fulfill our righteousness with God when we follow God's will. And when we're baptized, we are fulfilling the righteousness. Jesus also was fulfilling the righteousness through his baptism because he was baptized with all the other people that were coming to John the Baptist to be baptized as well. One of the things we boldly declare is that Jesus was Emmanuel. That is, Jesus was God with us. A human being who lived and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And the baptism of Jesus lives out this theological truth that we proclaim boldly. For Jesus just did not talk the talk. He also walked the walk. He was human, He was one of us. He knew of what we experienced. He knew of how we lived. He knew what we were going through. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us, and therefore was baptized even as we are baptized. Thirdly, an interesting part of the baptism story here is about this bird flying down on Jesus. It's kind of poetic in some ways and it's kind of natural feeling and it just kind of gives you those good warm feelings. Jesus came up out of the water and here comes a dove alighting on his head and the voice from heaven saying, This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Anna Carter Florence, professor of preaching at Columbia Seminary in Decatur, Georgia, told this story one time while at dinner and had quite an interchange with her middle school son. She was telling about this image she had of the dove alighting on Jesus' head and how poetic and how natural and how kind of nostalgic that was. And her son took her own, said, Mom, wait a minute. That's not the way doves fly. That's not how they fly. Doves swoop. They are fast. When they, don't, when they want to catch something, they don't just flutter down and pick it up. They're like a hawk, bam, and they've got it. And she suddenly went and changed her sermon. Because she saw a different image about this dove than she'd ever seen before. And I think it's kind of fascinating the image was that Jesus was the Holy Spirit's prey, P R E Y. And she began to think that baptism, the thought of an act of spiritual target practice. And I thought, there's something to that. Now, all analogies have their shortcomings, I would admit that. But I believe this one is on target. For you notice it was the Holy Spirit that came to Jesus, not Jesus to the Holy Spirit. It was the voice of heaven that came to Jesus and declared who he was, my beloved son. For in this experience, Jesus' identity was made clear. He is the son of God. And that identity occurred because of his baptism. When we are baptized, we are marked as children of God made clear through our baptism. We need not suffer from confusion or wonder of who we are or whose we are or what we're about. We belong to God. And in baptism, that truth occurs, and we're named as God's people. So in a day and time when people wonder around about who they are and whose they are, we have an incredible message to give to the world a message of the identity as being Christian and knowing who we are, children of the living God. But finally, this baptism talks about the fact that God is the one who initiates the action of our baptism. Many people won't be baptized because they're not worthy, they say. Many people have all kinds of excuses and reasons not to be baptized. Many people just don't think they measure up. But one of the beautiful realities of infant baptism in our tradition is the fact that before a baby has any clue of what's going on with him or her, God comes to them. God comes to them through the Holy Spirit in that baptism and puts his mark on them and claims them as God's own, identified as one of God's children. Identified as a child of the living God, before anyone has any notion of religion or faith or church, God comes and says, You are mine, you belong to me, and I claim you. What an incredible gift! What a burden has been removed from us, for God has done the work. And we are recipients of God's grace yet one more time as an incredible gift from the maker. So now about some meddling. Seems to me there's enough information I've given you about baptism and so the question all of us have to ask is, so what? It's all well and good, it's all nice, but what difference does it make? I wonder if we could look beyond the nostalgic vision of an image of infant baptism with all the flowing gowns and picture-perfect images. What would happen if we believe that we are the prey, P-R-E-Y, of the Holy Spirit? What if we believe that God comes to us and takes the initiative with us in our lives? What if we believe that our identity as Christian means to be servants of the living God? In other words, the question is, what would happen if we take seriously our baptismal vows? What if we committed our lives to living out these vows as individuals and as a congregation? What if we, every week, renewed those vows in our own hearts of how we would live life? For the next week or two, there are different group meetings around the church, information's in your bulletin, in which we're trying to see what God is calling Grace Covenant to be and do. What would happen if we saw us as the prey of the Holy Spirit? The pray of the Holy Spirit to see where God is leading us of what we are to do and to be. What is God noodling this congregation about? What is God stirring the waters about in this place about our future? And I think the same question happens to us individually. What has been noodling you? What's been nudging you? As we start a brand new year, a new calendar year, What is it God is calling you to think about and to do? Is it to start something brand new you've never considered before? Is it to take that leap of faith and see where God is leading you personally or professionally? Is it trying something brand new you never had ever tried before? Something has been noodling and nudging you and you've simply been resisting it for whatever reason. It could be you and the Holy Spirit being a prey of the Holy Spirit as he swoops down to reclaim you and you reclaim your baptism. As you live out those vows you took or that your parents took for you years ago. Baptism is a declaration of a radical life of service and servitude. Just look at what happened to Jesus after his baptism and what he did. And how he lived out that baptism even to death on the cross. Our baptism means the same thing to us. It's a calling and a claim on our lives to live a full and complete life for the glory of God. And all of us have to work this out in our own ways. And yet God's Spirit is pushing us to do that. Claim that baptismal gift and begin to live a life you never thought possible so that you can live a full life of salvation and of peace to the glory and the praise of God Almighty. Now and forevermore. Amen.